Bracken and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth goal for Aberdeen. when things are going wrong against you you don't get the breaks of the ball Cooper in with Stewart he didn't really know where the ball was but he got the break and as you say it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time knowing that really all you got to do is crack it into the back of the net Hello and welcome to the latest Bowman Aberdeen podcast. Looking back in a week in which our European hopes ended in that familiar blaze, well familiar to all Scots anyway, a valiant defeat. Uh, we'll be looking back on that warm evening in Lancashire as well as an eventful opening to the SPFL campaign in the next 45 minutes or so. And joining me to do that are firstly a man who may have a season ticket for the San Siro these days but whose heart remains resolutely at Pataudry. We welcome back Christy Keenan. Hi gents, nice to be here. I actually two season tickets for the San Siro because I'm greedy like that and I get a home game every week. <laughs> I always wish I was a Pataudry. That is, that is definitely overkill, Christy. It's overkill. <laughs> then a freelance football journalist whose heart, it's probably safest to say for the purposes of professional integrity, belongs at Victoria Park in Bucky. It's Ben Palmer. <laughs> it most certainly does. Thanks for having me. And that's just because of the quality of the pies. <laughs> and lastly, and very definitely least, we continue to be plagued by Martin Clune's considerable presence. How are you, Martin? I'm doing good, Richard. Still very sore, but um, happy to be here. You never rise to these jabs. You never rise to them. Very disappointing. No. So, to the end of the line for our hopes of reaching the Europa League group stages for yet another season, our 3-1 defeat after extra time to Burnley. Going out 4-2 in aggregate. Martin, before we go to talk about the game itself, I think it's only right we discuss the atmosphere in the town and in the ground that day. An event that I certainly feared might carry a bit of an undercurrent of small-town violence, but we generally found only the warmest of welcomes. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the people... You know, I mean, I personally, we were at the cricket club. Um, people couldn't have been more welcoming um, in and around the city as well. Um, Burnley isn't... I mean... You know, my knowledge of football hooliganism isn't great, but I don't think Burnley have got anything approaching some sort of you know, crazy firm or anything like that. So I think they were just kind of everybody was just kind of happy to be, you know, to be happy to have a game on. Um, and it was really it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, um, lots of drink was taken, um, lots more drink was then taken, um, and then you know the trip to the stadium, you know the the two minutes around the corner, and the atmosphere at the game was was just unbelievable. Um, you know, in terms of you know. Away European trips, we've had some, you know, or some I've been to where we've had some brilliant atmospheres. You know, um, you know, we've got Madrid, you've got San Sebastian, some of the the trips to obviously Munich, um, but that was I think that was equally as good. Um, you know, it was loud, it was noisy, it was you know, everyone one hundred percent behind the team, and it really was just, it was just a fantastic support. Ben, you were down there watching the game from the relative sanity of the uh, press box. Uh, what did you make of the atmosphere? Was it was it as special as it seemed from the away end? Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, we went to Turf Moor about four o'clock in the afternoon, 
and uh, had a wander up to the press box, which was at the very back of the main stand. And you could see <laughs> Turfmoor was absolutely empty, but yet it was really, really noisy because of the noise coming from the cricket ground. And uh, then once the game was going on, yeah, it was excellent from up the back where we were. So uh, the early signs, obviously, were about the, the team lines. Um, you had uh, Tony Hobbin replacing Dominic Ball at defensive midfield and Andy Considine coming back into the 11 after missing the home leg. Now, you had the usual pre-match nonsense about Andy Considine, who's very... Uh, appears to be the um, the hate figure for a lot of people at the moment on social media of how he would be exposed by Aaron Lennon. But really, Christy, he kept him quiet to the extent that Aaron Lennon, did, Aaron Lennon ended up being subbed off before the 90 minutes was up. Yep, considered really well. Uh, I feel that he very often doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, it's the old, old familiarity, breeding contempt again with our fans. I think um, the, the issue with Gonzi is that because he's been in the team so long, any one of us fans can reel off um, a handful of, of nightmare games he's had off the top of our head. But, I mean, that's purely a symptom of the fact that he's had so many games. Of course, it's logical he's going to have had some bad ones in there as well. Um, most of the, the dross gets moved on, but Conti's always kept himself in the team. McInnes loves him. He's reliable. Um, he struggles a bit at left-back against the, the biggest teams in the toughest games, but... Uh, you know that's that's kind of the area we're operating in. We we can't have you know ten out of ten quality all over the park. I think um, Considine would would uh, always be in my squad. That's for sure. I thought he played great on Thursday. If we were to be concerned about uh, individuals individual matchups, uh, that's only fair, I suppose, given the golf and wages. Uh, but Ben, the opening goal, it was really just one lump over the top, wasn't it? Over the top of our centre half. So it was very disappointing that such a such a straightforward goal was our undoing so early. Yeah, I mean straight away you're on the back foot. Um, it was a, I mean look at it, it was a brilliant pass from the guy after he took the ball away from Shinny. But I think you need to look at the two centre-backs here. Uh, McKenna and Devlin are very similar in that they're both good in the air, both reasonably quick, and both can either pick up or uh, sweep. So in this instant, um, I think we've maybe just got a little bit confused as to who's picking up, who's sweeping. McKenna probably should have stepped across um, behind Wood, and, but obviously didn't get there quick enough. And it's a very, very simple goal to lose, uh, which I'm sure... Uh, these two guys will develop by playing alongside each other which will probably see the stop uh, these things stop in the future Martin, as Ben rightly points out there they're probably quite similar kind of players and the partnership has seemed steady in the opening couple of weeks we shouldn't expect fireworks so early on but uh, there was that difficulty if they are going to be quite similar I mean the best defensive partnerships you always felt had uh, players with kind of Complimentary yeah, I mean, attributes. The, the hope is that it's just some, it's just you not know, kind of bedding in thing. Um, you know, they, they were they were caught fairly similarly in the game on Sunday as well. Um, so you just have to hope that um, you know, they're getting to know they've, they've they've known each other obviously because Devlin's been here for quite a while now while he's not been playing. But um, you just kind of hope that you know some time together. Once hopefully McKenna comes back very quickly from from the injury, um, that that will be sorted. Um, not not too concerned about it. I mean, obviously, it was really unfortunate that it happened. I mean, so early in the game is just sort of you kind of think, here we go, you know, worrying early on. But 
Um, I thought after that they they settled and I think they both really really came on a game especially. Um, I think that they can they do some decent passing out from defence, some assured displays. Um, but I guess you know they had something to prove after what was a pretty pretty poor mistake early on. Yes, that early goal may well have had uh, a lot in the away end fearing the worst. And I might have had some of the Burnley fans uh, believing that they would win 4 or 5 nil, as I heard as I went to the urinals just before leaving the Bridge Beer House uh, and coming to the match. But um, it has been, if nothing else, a good week for evidence of our team spirit, Christy, because it, you know we did have that atrocious start. Slowly, slowly, slowly began to get a bit more of the ball inch away up the pitch. As in the first leg, now I'm again Guy McKay-Steven looking lively. But it took one hell of a finish from Lewis Ferguson to get us back on terms. Yeah, it was a phenomenal goal from Ferguson. It, it got me in the bad books with the misses because I gave her the <laughs> bit of a fright. Um, it was it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, sure didn't see that we coming, but what a finish it was. Um, yeah, I think that uh, the spirit that we show oh, surely by now is beyond question. It would have been so easy to just fold, uh, but a lot of players show character, they took responsibility, um, I really, really like the way that GMS is turning out for us, uh, he looks like the penny's dropped, he looks like he it, he's realised that he can just perform one game in three, uh, he's going to be about a 7 out of 10 minimum every week I reckon, Um McGinn has played very well so far this season. So these guys, guys who we couldn't always rely on in previous seasons to, to show up in the big games, uh, they have done so far this season. So uh, you know, credit for that should go to them and also to the manager. I think we've got good spirit under him. Ben, uh, from an Aberdeen perspective, um, you know, perhaps Lewis might have wanted to keep that in the locker until after his fee was sorted, eh? <laughs> I mean, the guy has just impressed so much since he's came into Aberdeen. Even in pre-season, you saw how aggressive he was and how determined he was to really make a mark straight away this year. Um, Aberdeen obviously valued him when he came in, about 100,000, uh, whereas Hamilton saw it closer to a million. It's, I would imagine the fee would probably be somewhere in the middle there. But I, I mean, I don't know if this is holding up Aberdeen's pursuit of a striker or not, because you look at... Um, the fees were being quoted for strikers, this 250000 300000 mark. And when you look at this deal with Ferguson, I mean, if that's five, 600000 we have to spend on an 18-year-old, does this suddenly dilute what you have for a striker? I mean, it's a difficult sort of situation going into these final couple of days of the transfer market. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, very few of these cases usually end up at tribunal because they they do tend to come to some sort of agreement. But yeah, I do kind of think we're probably looking towards more Hamilton's end of uh, the valuation and ours right now. Uh, uh, that said, um, Ben, do you, do you see him as a, a natural number 10? I don't know. Um, I mean, he, he's certainly a lot um, bigger than you would expect from a number 10. He's a mm-hmm. different kind of player to Ryan Christie was. Um, that sort of slight little neat figure uh, who play the intricate passes, whereas you look at Lewis Ferguson, he's a bit of a bulldozer of a player. Um, so, I mean, he could play number 10, but it's certainly a different type of number 10 to what Aberdeen, play, uh, Aberdeen supporters would be used to in the last few seasons. 
Christy, I, I feel there's kind of elements of Kenny McLean and what I see early on about Lewis Ferguson. Again, Kenny McLean was brought to play with number 10 and ended up performing at his best for the Dons much deeper. Do you see likewise? Yes, exactly. McLean would have been the, the reference that I would use as well. Um, it's it's interesting sometimes a player who, who shows good vision um, gets lumped in uh, or labelled as kind of the you know the luxury player, uh, which isn't the case. There are tons of box to box midfielders with um, with great vision or you know the guys that can the guys that can turn a game on the head. So I reckon that's exactly what we'll see from Lewis Ferguson. I think he's going to be um, a bit more, um, maybe not box to box, but certainly deeper lying than a number 10 would suggest. So whilst the first leg people maybe wrote off as, as Burnley's uh, first game of the season, ignoring the fact it was also our first game of the season as well, and you know we were at home, and how much credit, Martin, do you think Derek McInnes deserves, and his players obviously deserve, for keeping us competitive, well beyond that first 90 minutes for keeping us, you know, for drawing the second leg over 90 minutes for, you know, for coming relatively close in a few occasions actually to snatching that win. I mean, there there wasn't much. I don't think in the 90 minutes, I don't think there was much between the sides anyway. And um, you know, we've just mentioned there about obviously the spirit. Um, McInnes is. We've spoken about this in the po- this podcast before. You know, McInnes knows how to motivate his team. Um, he knows how to get the players playing for him. And you know, if he tells them what he wants, usually, usually he gets that out of them. And I think that, especially in the ninety minutes down there, um, we 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 performed. I think pretty well. You know, we didn't we didn't see the ball for for spells of the game, but you're going to have that. But I think, you know, McGinn and Mackay Stephen both had very good games. You know, other guys who performed really well. I thought Shinny was once again really really good. Um, and you know, the managers managed to. Managed to pick a side which a lot of people would have just been happy with, I think, with the same starting 11. Um, people were probably looking at that thinking, oh, we'll just go with the same 11 again, it'll be fine. But you went with something a bit different. Um, like you mentioned earlier, I think Considine had a pretty decent game. He was caught a couple of times, but that's going to happen because Aaron Lennon is pretty quick. But he kept him, he kept Lennon fairly quiet. Um, and McInnes, I think he got it, for largely, I think he got it completely right. And so I think he deserves a lot of credit. Um, it just kind of, perhaps the fact that, you know, I don't want to say the class told because I don't think there was the hell of a lot of difference on the night between the two of us, the two teams even. But you know, once it, once it got in extra time, so I just they just looked like they had a little bit more than us. And I think McInnes deserves credit for keeping us keeping us in the game that long. Maybe not necessarily extra class from Burnley, but perhaps a little bit of extra quality in the Don's ranks is what maybe let us down, Christy. Um, let's consider that chance that Graham Shinney had. Um, with a free shot from the edge of the box after Namigan's good work uh, on on about the hour. Now, Graham Shinney had, had, had earlier put away two half-decent efforts on target. It's just he was given a bit of time and space here and, and really didn't make the most of it. Yeah, that was the best chance that we had. There was also um, a free kick towards the end, I think in around 87 minutes, that Scotty Wright put in a beauty of a ball. And, and I, don't think, I think it was Considine who couldn't quite reach out of the the back stick. There were those moments. The thing is, when you when there's a huge, um, huge might not be the word. When there's an obvious skill differential between the two teams, um, you can't always rely on getting that bit of luck. But you have to at least not get unlucky. And I think we got a wee bit unlucky in a couple of places, uh, which ultimately was the difference. Um, even there, the, the penalty that 
that made it 3-1, you know, that's just tiredness, there's a bit of bad luck involved there. Um, that, you know, with still a few minutes to play of extra time, um, especially the way that we came back on Sunday against Rangers, you know, that it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility that we could snatch an equaliser and, and progress as well. So these wee things stacked up. We're, with the shimmy chance, we'd have hoped for a bit more, uh, a bit more composure, a bit more quality there. Uh, but honestly, I'm, I'm sure not going to criticise our captain, who's been absolutely outstanding for us. I think the subs, uh, Ben, also made a difference. Aberdeen's subs really just appeared to be a case of replacing tired bodies. Uh, what was being brought on to replace them wasn't necessarily improving the side, whereas Burnley had different options on their bench. Again, given the wage budget, you'd expect that to be the case. Yeah, I mean, Burnley were taking proven strikers off the bench. Um, ben Stephen May came on for Aberdeen, who's, who has had a torrid time. He's sort of came to Tordry, uh, has it quite sort of... Uh, got to grips yet uh, with what he's doing here so uh, yeah there was a def- uh, definite bit of quality difference between the two benches however there's little dif- uh, little uh, doubt Martin that we've got a quality keeper in the sticks and an English one as well at a time when Burnley uh, are actually stockpiling former England goalkeepers um, it was really a very eye-catching evening from him um, <laughs> although I have to say and uh, v- subsequent video replays don't bear this out but from behind the goal you know, I was kind of raging that he didn't come and attempt to take the through ball, but when you see it, you can see that it's below head height by the time it gets into the box. Yeah, um, yeah. How good is Joe Lewis? He's just, he's just amazing, isn't he? Just, uh, you know, what a, what a keeper we have there. I mean, I know, you know, we were, we were a little down on him a couple of times last season where there was a mistake or two, but um, this guy is, you know, this guy is really, really top class. Um, I know exactly what you were meaning with the with that chance as well. I mean, it took for me once we got back to the hotel, um, straight on straight on the BT Sport app, watching it back. Um, and yeah, um, I don't think there's much. There's nothing he could have really done there. Um, but he's just he's just a top class keep, a top class keeper. And you know, I still I'll stand by it. Like even now that you know, the Rangers have brought back some you know half-hearted chancer that used to play for the other the other version of the of Rangers um, we've still got the best keeper in Scotland simple as that Overall uh, Christy you know should we simply be proud at having run them close given their budget given the league they play in given the competitiveness uh, within their squad and the tiger tigerishness of, uh, of the team that uh, they've put together or do you think it was perhaps an opportunity missed? Both. Both, to be honest. Um, we can take a lot of pride in the performances of the two legs. There are tons of positives there. But ultimately, um, the game was, or the tie was winnable. There, there was not that much between the teams. We did have chances. There were certainly spells when we were on top. The spells where they were on top, um, certainly possession-wise, uh, they, they weren't really generating concerted periods of pressure, even though they were dominating the ball. Uh, and we hung in there really well, so it was um, it was a chance missed at the same time. Uh, I'm really, really happy with how we did. As happy as you can be, given that we didn't progress. Um, we, we, we did ourselves proud. Um, yeah. But, Ben, if you were to look at this dispassionately, you would say that we keep coming unstuck at or around this stage in the competition and let's make no bones about it we're expected to come unstuck we're you know we're seeded to un- 
come unstuck around this stage of the competition. And generally we face teams either with advantages of budget, advantages of European experience. However, these are the kind of hurdles we're going to have to get over if we want to progress. Yeah, I mean, it was a desperately unfortunate sort of draw this year getting Burnley and then potentially Istanbul, Barsak, uh, here. Um, so you have got to sort of weigh that up. But at the same time, only reaching the second round um, compared to reaching the third round the last few years. You can imagine people feeling sort of let down by that. But sometimes you do have to say that was a massive hurdle. And to sort of give Burnley as good as Aberdeen gave them was quite an impressive achievement. Everybody sort of claimed that the pressure was at Burnley over this two games, um, given their financial sort of wealth that they have to beat Aberdeen. But there was a bit of pressure on Aberdeen going into this as well because we had a bit of pride for Scottish football riding on them, how will they compete against a side from the top flight who, who, I mean, Scottish football takes a lot of flack from critics south of the border. So it was for Aberdeen to go down there, give a good account of themselves was an arguably very good achievement. So that was uh, our European, well, it's uh, maybe a bit of a stretch to call it an adventure, but those were European games this season. You hear the odd, the odd dissenting voice that says, oh, what's the point of playing in Europe these days? I, I can never understand that for the sort of colour and excitement that those two uh, games gave us against the, the backdrop of most of the season will be, even if it was a, um, a less than glamorous um, opponent on first inspection. It, it turned out to be... Uh, a wonderful cup tie over the two legs and uh, it's obviously deeply disappointing that we went out but uh, we go out I think with some positive memories of that match a game we'll take less positive memories from um, albeit it did have a happy ending unlike events in Lancashire on Thursday night well, unlike footballing events who knows what you got up to after the football <laughs> Uh, was uh, the opening game of the league season at Pataudry on Sunday. The big thing about the selection in the European games has been the absence of really the two big signings that uh, Derek McInnes has made in the closed season. Stephen Gleeson and Chris Forrester, two midfield replacements for the likes of Kenny McLean and uh, Ryan Christie, who've moved on. Now, Gleeson did start on Sunday but he looked a long, long way off the pace, pre-season injury notwithstanding. Well, Chris Forrester is currently being kept out of the team by the aforementioned Lewis Ferguson. Now, it's a real concern, certainly to me, Christy, that, um, I mean, OK, not every player comes in and, um, and looks amazing in an Aberdeen shirt when they first join us, but really, for the, for the sake of uh, this season, Derek McInnes really needed uh, at least one of these two to be um, red hot off the, from the start. Yeah, and okay, so I can't say from the start, but there's every chance they will be. Um, it, they could not have had tougher games to come in. Um, they, Forrester in particular looked very good in preseason, probably our standout player. And then the fact that he was kept out of the team by Ferguson sounds kind of strange until you see the performances that Ferguson put in. Um, super impressive. So, you know, maybe. Maybe it's a bit unfair to criticise um, Forrester for that rather than praise Ferguson for, for making himself indispensable so quickly. So we'll see. Um, I've got high hopes for both of them. I think that both are, well, in particular Gleeson, uh, his reputation is as a big moaning character, which uh, probably isn't the worst thing for our squad right now to, to have a, 
another guy beyond Shinny who's who's happy to give everyone an earful. Um, even though I do tend to think that that attribute is overrated. But Forrester, um, yeah, high hopes for him. His pedigree's good. Uh, he's clearly got outstanding talent. It was just an incredibly tough game for them to to both make their first starts in uh, against Rangers. So uh, I'm I'm holding off. I'm not getting carried away with judgments so soon. No, and clearly nobody here is writing them off. But Ben, there's no doubt that Derek McInnes would have expected perhaps more of a contribution from these two. Yeah, I mean, when we were out of court for Aberdeen's first pre-season game against Cove Rambos, McInnes described Chris Forrester as a potential match winner um, this season. So, I mean, certainly on Sunday there was no evidence of that whatsoever. Uh, I didn't think he offered anything when he came on um, at all. So, but what I do think about Forrester is, in the pre-season games, there's loads of nice touches, good little through balls and releasing wingers. He may be one of these players that prospers or flourishes in a game where Aberdeen are dominant. And whereas in these early games, against the likes of Burnley and Rangers, we have needed grafters in the middle of the park, and maybe that hasn't suited Forrester's style too much. And that's a very fair point, because it took, I think, uh, I because most of last season to, to understand that balance and adjust it so that the likes of Don Ball would come into the midfield for the games against the, the so-called bigger sides. So so maybe it's an encouraging fact that, I, I mean, we'll come back to this in a few minutes, but, you know, there is definitely a merit in drawing these games compared to losing them. McInnes is, the one thing that stops McInnes from having one of the best all-time AFC records is the fact that he loses too many games. But as I say, we'll come back to that in a few minutes. I think overall, Martin, it was a, it was a 90 minutes that it was very ponderous with the ball, very slow to react when we didn't have the ball. Just looked tired all around, physically, mentally and even tactically, because I think we were very slow to change the shape up when we could have actually gone to three at the back as soon as Morales was sent off. How much leeway do you allow the team and the manager after obviously going to the well on Thursday night? I think you have to give them a little bit of leeway, um, but you're right to say they were very ponderous, really slow with slow with and with and without the ball. To be honest, um, you know the ball, the ball was spent an awful lot of time with our defenders. Um, now I think what was it? Was it ten, eleven minutes when the red card happened? Um, that ten, eleven minutes was 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 very worrying. Um, because I, I, I hate to say this, but they looked pretty good, um, and you know they were l- probably lucky that they could have had a, could have had one goal at least before Morelos was sent off. I mean, thankfully they obviously didn't. Um, as soon as he went off, um, I just felt we we, st- we didn't remotely capitalise on it. I know sometimes it's you know you get the old football cliche about it's harder to play against ten than it is eleven, but you no know, they they didn't really um, you know offer us offer much more of a a threat than we did. Um, but they just seemed to be doing more with the ball. Uh, we just saw when we got the ball, it would go back to the defence, um, and then we were struggling to try and do anything, try, struggling to try and break them down. Uh, couldn't get, couldn't pick out the right pass, which is the concerning thing because you know, it's, it's early in the season, and I know we've only played a, we've played 120 minutes on the Thursday, but there was just the inability to pick out any kind of key passes or cause any danger, um, and I don't think we really did that until probably later on in the game when Mackay Stephen had. Um, a little bit of success against um, it's my it's, I love moaning about this guy. You know, I think he's absolutely hopeless, and I hate the fact that Aberdeen Aberdeen wingers don't attack him constantly during games. Um, as soon as Mackay Stevens started running at him and pulling tricks on him, he was all at sea. 
Um, I've wanted us to do it every ever since they came ever since they came into the league. Um, finally, Mackay Stephen did a bit of it on, on Sunday, and no, he made him look he made him look like the average fullback that he is. It was a case of it being very very it, the ball just being too slow to get out to our attacking threats, uh, wasn't it, Christy? Yeah, that's exactly it. We didn't feed them. Uh, the the attacking players or the creative players that we did have on the park, uh, Ferguson, uh, Mackay Stephen, and McGinn, I thought were were amongst our standouts. But we, we just didn't get the ball to them. We were very poor overall. Uh, but, you know, we were up against the team that's probably closest to us in terms of, um, in terms of, like, skill level. We're, we're of, as the recent seasons have shown us, we're of relatively similar standards. So a draw against them is not the worst result in the world. Um, I think that Rangers' performance, frankly, I think has been massively overstated. By everyone I uh, didn't think they were that good Thought they were better than us But I didn't think they were that good um, And we showed great heart We scored a terrific goal And uh, yeah, there's there's positives there I think that not losing that game Not losing a game such as that um, is, is kind of impressive, frankly Because it would have been very easy to wilt Yeah, and again It's an important point to make That by Okay, we dropped two points in the eyes of most, but, you know, we stopped them picking up all three points. And last season, the only way that they were in the race for second as we went into the final five games was the fact that they'd taken nine points out of nine against us. With a, with a split of the points up to that point against us, they would have been out of the race altogether. So there's definitely merit in the draw. It's obviously not what we wanted when we kicked off and definitely not what, what we wanted when they went down ten men so early. It was a game littered with incident. Uh, let's try and talk these through as dispassionately as is possible, which won't be very dispassionately at all. Um, but first of all, Ben, coming to you with the Morellus Red. Uh, he's gone for violent conduct. Now, the wording in the laws focuses on excessive force to make it a red for, for that uh, sort of offence. But the thing is, when it's an off-the-ball offence, as it was, then surely anything's excessive. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Gerrard's sort of um, complaint was that Scott McKenna had wound him up. But, I mean, that goes on between defenders and strikers every every single weekend of the season. Brelos has just been petulant. It's silly, it's daft, it's a, it's a red card. Some may say it's soft because there's no sort of real force behind it. But at the same time, um, you're, you can't go around just kicking opponents in the pitch. It's a red card. Yeah, and I don't think there's too much wriggle room when it comes to the rules, to be perfectly honest. Yet that said, he'll doubtlessly get rescinded this week. Uh, on to the penalty kick. Um, two bones of contention here. One which hasn't really received any sort of discussion whatsoever um, in the more traditional media, anyway, is uh, the fact that uh, Koulibaly was, was offside when the um, ball came back into the box after the initial block from McKenna. Uh, Martin, this this falls down to basically the guidance given to referees on on when an opposition player plays a ball deliberately or accidentally. Um, so in this case, the ball is half blocked by McKenna. It seems then to come back off Considine and into the box. Perhaps it's back off Scott Arfield, but I think it's off uh, Considine. And as such, it's definitely not a deliberate act by Andy Considine to play the ball backwards towards the goal. So. 
because of that, Koulibaly probably should be offside based on based on the initial shot from Arfield. What do you reckon? Um, that's the way I took it as well. I mean, you know, you've watched it. You know, I've watched it a few times over and over and rewound and try to watch it. And you know, there's a slow motion replays and things like that. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, he's in an he is in an offside position. Um, you know, I know the box was fairly crowded, but you know, um, I think the linesman should probably be looking at. It. But if if that's the rule, I mean, I'm, not, I'm I'll be honest, I'm not a hundred percent on on what the rule is. But I mean, he's in an offside position. Um, I know there's no such thing as interfering with the goalkeeper anymore. Or kind of they've they've taken that out really, haven't they? But um, the penalty decisions it's given, um, you know, um, which I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I personally, you know, and I can't take my red tinted glasses off. I think it's a disgraceful dive by Windass, to be totally honest with you. Um, he's screaming at the ref. It's a red card. He was holding my shirt. I know, you know, I know I'm going to end up sounding like some relic from from days gone by in football here, but um, someone he was he was he had, he had a little bit a little bit of his shirt, and Windass goes flying flying off his feet like that. Um, he's an absolute shit house, isn't he? Um, you know. It was. It's a disgraceful. It's a disgraceful dive. It's an attempt to win a penalty, which I guess is part of the game now as well. Um, he gets his penalty, but to then to then suggest it would be a red card as well is absolutely outrageous. Well, I think there was definitely a hand on the back, hand on the shirt. There is a foul, but Christie again, as far as the punishment for Don Ball, I suspect it's not a red card because he wasn't actually going to be first to the ball. Uh, to be honest, I thought it was a pen and a red card. I thought it was a clear goal scoring opportunity. Um, delighted it wasn't seen that way. Um, it's been it's been probably fifteen years since um, since I did my refs course, and that was it. Would have unquestionably have been offside then because Kula Valley was clearly offside when the original shot came in. Um, he's clearly interfering with play because he's. You know, right in front of the goalkeeper is about what is it like four yards out or what have you. Um, but I, I believe, and I'm really not up to speed with it these days, but I believe that changes have come in that suggests that it's like a different. I'm not even sure if the terminology they use now is phase of play or whatever. Um, but honestly, if I think it's a penalty, then it, it has to be a red card. Um, I'm glad it wasn't. Ben, have you got a take on it? Um, I th- the entire goal was just weird. There's an offside at the start, um, then it's a red card and a penalty at the end. It's just the whole thing's wrong. <laughs> now, the final bone of contention, certainly for those in blue, was the uh, Stevie May Ryan Jack coming together. One interpretation of that is that Stevie May is reckless by uh, going for the high ball. Martin. Um, is he though? Um, no, Lewis kicks the ball out. No, the, no, Ryan Jack. Ryan Jack stands there, knowing fine there's a man behind him. Um, I'll, I'll I'll use a quote that when you know, right back at the beginning when we started doing this podcast, we, we were very lucky enough to interview Willie Miller, and he used the phrase, "If the ball's there to be won, you go and win it." That's what Stevie May did. Ryan Jack just stood there, made no with no attempt to to jump or try and get the ball at all. He knew where the man was. He knew he was behind him. It was another attempt at time wasting. No, they'd been doing it all game. We know that, you know, 82 minutes or whatever it was. He was looking to slow the game down. He was looking to win a foul. I know, I can't, I can't pretend to be, be sorry for him, sorry for him because he got hurt. You know, um, if he'd, if he jumped and tried to challenge for the ball, he may have won the thing. Um, I don't think it was reckless at all. 
Um, I think Stevie May was entitled to go for that ball. Um, and you know, if I was the kind of person that believed in karma, which I don't, I would say that karma. I would I would say that karma's a bitch, but I don't believe in that kind of shit. Right, uh, I think we'll leave the matter of Ryan Jack right there, if you don't mind. It's a good decision. <laughs> uh, we finally get the equaliser in added time, and the six minutes of added time, like their petulant time-wasting, um, amounted to. There's a lot of, obviously, pent-up rage and frustration uh, at the performance, which goes into, again, a, a exuberant celebration around the ground when it goes in. Um, good work from Andy Constantine when the initial do- knockdown. Very smart from Lewis Ferguson with a dummy to allow it to run to Bruce Anderson. And, well, what about that finish? Just a goal scorer's finish, isn't it, isn't it Christy? Oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Um, all Everything about that goal was terrific. We showed great spirit and great desire as, the, as I said before, it would have been very easy to um, sulk and wilt and just lose that game. But we kept on going. There weren't that many positives to take from the game, but that goal was real quality. The finish was terrific. Um, absolute scenes. Uh, it's just fantastic. It's what being a Dons fan is all about. Uh, ben, um, he's, uh, Bruce Anderson is a man from your neck of the woods uh, just next door in Banff. Um, he's been knocking them in for the reserves. Also had a spell at Elgin last season where he scored a, um, six goals, I think, in 12 appearances. Um, strikers, just they score goals at whatever level they play at, don't they? Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, had a very good loan spell at Elgin last year. He's impressed in the development squad for quite a while now. He's been battering the door to get a chance from McInnes, and then he's taken it with both hands. Um whether he starts at Dundee this weekend or not is a different question. I don't think Derek McInnes will want to go into the new season with Bruce Anderson as his top scorer up front. Um, so I think we'll, we'll probably see a striker coming in by the end of this week. Uh, but it's certainly great for the young guy to go on, grab his opportunity with both hands and give his manager some sort of dilemma. Uh, Martin, my main question to you is going to be about the fact that, you know, was it a potentially a blessing in disguise that you have the like of Anderson, Campbell and Harrington on the bench on Sunday? You know, can you see a clearer pathway for them this season, even if by default? But before we get there, I want you to just say a word about Connor Goldson's remarkable efforts to get out of the way of the shots on Sunday. Up until that point, I thought he had had a pretty good game for them as well. Um, he'd basically, he'd, he'd strolled through the game and then that chance comes in, you know, that lovely little lovely little knockdown from Constantine, which I'd like to see Cosgrove do, do a few knockdowns like that as well. That'd be good. Um, and then I just don't know what he's doing. Is it, you know, was he entering the, the World Breakdancing Championships? Was he about to, Maybe he was about to do the worm. Maybe he thought the game was over and he was going to treat us all to the worm uh, in the last minute of the game. I don't know, but whatever he was doing, um, you know, Photoshop opportunity competitions, I think, are, are going to be the vogue this week. Anyone? Anyone got any idea? Was he trying to avoid a deflection or? Truly, not got a scooby. It was magnificent, no, however it was. No Mag- idea whatsoever. Magnificent work from the three million pound man. Uh, but but yes, Martin. Going back to to my actual question, um, it, it's something we've been critical of the manager on here. Be a bit braver. You can get the rewards. We saw it with McKenna last season. We definitely saw it with Bruce Anderson on 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 Sunday and uh, again it's clear to that Dean Campbell is ready to step into that team at uh, a moment's notice too 
yeah, no, Dean Campbell came on towards the end of the season. Um, you know, when we were playing Celtic, uh, this game, you know, we were chasing the game. You know, we were you know, looking to get back into the game. This wasn't a, this wasn't a three nil, three nil up at home to Dundee or something where we'll we'll give a couple of the young lads a, a run out. This was go on and show them what you can do. Uh, and by Christ, he went and did that. That said, Christy, I don't think the fact that we've got some promising youths coming through, as we should have at this club. Uh, it should necessarily be a fig leaf for what's been a protracted and I think frustrating for the manager transfer window. Yeah, it's a very strange window, very disappointing. All will be forgiven if we make the right calibre of signings over the, the next few days, but um, I, I cannot even, I, I shudder at the thought of how many times I've refreshed my Twitter feed, hashtag Aberdeen FC, over. The course of the summer, like it's just, I'm just. The, the other frustrating thing, of course, from a fan's point of view, is we're not even being linked with. Anyone. There's no one to even get excited about. It's just completely dead. But then um, we know that's how McInnes likes to uh, make his signings, so I ain't going to criticise the club for that. But still, very frustrating window. Uh, the players that we have signed, um, on paper, look look really encouraging. Um, <coughs> Hobbin looks like a good player. Uh, Gleeson and Forrester's pedigrees are good um, Obviously disappointing start for them but, but let's not get too carried away With prejudging them Lewis Ferguson looks terrific uh, terrific. But we're um, We're shy, we're just really Short of numbers And uh, we, we've got to rectify that um, But weirdly The first 11 If you discount the, the obvious um, Striker situation The first 11 uh, looks very strong Indeed this season Ben, you're meant to be the man in the know. So, uh, who's pitching up at Pitotti in the next 40 hours? <laughs> I wish I did know. Um, I mean, you've been linked with Louis Moult. There's been contact with Preston about Louis Moult. Um, we've actually been full, uh, that fell through. Um, Ian Doyle move fell through as well. Uh, John Marquise. McInnes has been hunting for a striker all summer. And I would imagine there would be several other names uh, out with those three that he's been in touch with. But uh, nothing's quite came off yet. Well, meanwhile, on the back of a few days that have seen two Croatian supporters stabbed in Glasgow by a group decked out in quasi-fascist black, empty vodka bottles being lobbed into the Aberdeen end, now again pelted with coins while waiting to take a corner, and I suppose most pantomime of all, Rangers supporters literally knocking over a three-year-old sandcastle. The message from that club itself continues to be as abrasive as it's been since 2012. Martin, the post-match whinging stroke bravado, it, are they ever going to learn on that front? Of course they're not. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the post-match whinging, especially you know, the, about the, some of the decisions and stuff, um, I think you know, Gerard knows what he's doing. Um, going back to one thing from earlier on as well, you know, Stephen Gerrard complaining about, um, about you know, Morelos being wound up. I'm not taking that from a man who played in a team with Luis Suarez moaning about play, someone winding up other players. He can piss right off with that. Um, but no, the, 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 they're clearly Gerard knows what he's doing. You know, he brings up these decisions. You no know, Rangers have been cheated for years. All this type of stuff. He knows fine that because of his profile, that will be raised on Sky Sports. You no, know, what's his name? Um, Dermot Gallagher will go over these decisions on his little bit on Sky Sports News. All he's trying to do is he's early doors trying to get in the siege mentality. Um, it's it's plain as the nose on your face. Um, the cut, so we're kind of we're used to it. We know what they're like. Um, the whole thing about being a class above Aberdeen. I mean, that's just 
that is the new, you know, coming to the end of the cycle. Um, when he's sacked in February, that will be on his gravestone. Christy, you're a you're a poker player. Uh, do you find it strange he's played this card so early? I know no, that I know no, that's not no. how poker works. Don't worry. Not in the slightest. Um, I think it's fairly um, obvious what he's doing. As Martin just said, uh, he's trying to trying to get the siege mentality in the dressing room, but trying to also um, get the fans on side. It, it's it's just super easy. Like it must be such an easy gig being the manager of Rangers because you just have to say the right things to the fans. Like, it's all just PR nonsense, uh, and that's exactly what Gerard's done. He'll get found out, I'm sure, but. Um, he's bought himself some goodwill with the supporters. Um, also, just coming back to the previous point, I got to uh, got to spare a thought for the guy Dave, whose uh, kid Sandcastle got got kicked over. He was actually my flatmate for a couple of years back in the day. Dave, great lad. Um, I feel super sorry for he, the amount of stick he has taken online over a, a very innocuous tweet. Um, it's just unbelievable. I don't know how he's the bad guy in all this. Uh, his, you know, he's just having a nice day out with his kid. Actually, I'm not sure if he was there. I think it was his dad and the and his son. Um, and then the Rangers fans kick over a sandcastle, and suddenly Dave's the bad guy. It, it just seems very strange indeed. Uh, feel for him. Um, it's it's just mental. It's all just mental. But it, it says quite a lot about the. Uh, about the, the club that shall not be named. Yeah, well, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised about a group of cons- uh, conspiracy theories swallowing right-wingers espousing hateful views all over social media and occasionally bringing that hate out into the streets. In so many ways, it's just really 2018 writ large, isn't it? Um, Martin, I didn't put Dundee down on the list, but that's a nice game because I, because we win there, don't we? We just win at Dens Park. It doesn't matter what Aberdeen team will turn up, and who knows what Aberdeen team will turn up with the injuries. We just win there. Um, yeah, much like much like you know, playing in Europe is what we do. We go we go to Dens Park and we win games. Dundee look to be in a bit of a crisis. It's going to be interesting um, getting down there. I mean, I think we'll obviously it's going to be up to us to go and win the game this time. No, there's not going to be. I don't think we'll we'll see way way more of the ball than we we expect. Um, possibly a few changes as well. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to Saturday. Um, hugely positive for the season anyway, as I always am. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I I'm loath to say it, but you know, I can't see Dundee really giving us much problems. Yes, Q Dundee two Aberdeen no. Uh, ben, you're a you're <laughs> yeah. a man that's developed a, a hate hate relationship with the Dundee fans online. Um, but uh, you're also someone that you're also someone that should be paid to take notice of what how they've been doing over the summer. So uh, what should we expect from Neil McCann's All Stars? Well, I've seemed to have worked fans of both Dundee United and Dundee, so I don't know where I lie in that city. But, <laughs> you're uh, doing it right. <laughs> um, but certainly, I watched them against Breaking. Um, which is probably not, not the best gauge of where a club are because we battered breaking, but then again, breaking didn't win a game at all last year. Um, I think very much it's such the same as last season. Um, Dundee, I, I mean, like you said, Aberdeen usually win there, so barring any upsets, the margin would be straightforward. Christy, this is where we've really shown our mettle in these sort of games over the last few years. We've, we've shown a remarkable ability just to grind out these wins, however well or poorly we might be playing. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, it's a, a really important attribute. It 
okay, we didn't win against Rangers, of course, but it's a um, it's a similar concept, like eking results out even when you're not necessarily playing your best uh, is 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 what winning teams do. It's what teams who achieve do, and we've done that in recent years. Uh, I, I fancy us to win at Dens Park. I always do. Um, that again probably won't mean too much in the in the context of the rest of the season. But ideally, you know, let's let's go and let's kind of get motoring now because we're a few games in. Um, we've still not had a win, and if we lose, suddenly um, the se- suddenly the start to the season goes down as a disappointment. So it's actually. Um, you know, just for our trajectory, just for our momentum, um, it's a fairly important match. Indeed it is, indeed it is. Um, but that's our show for this week. Uh, my thanks to Ben Palmer. Ben, where are you billeted this weekend? Um, I'm in Dundee, actually, I think. I'll be down in Dundee for your game. There we go. Uh, Christy Keenan, all the way from Milan, he'll be... Well, he probably won't be the San Siro this weekend, because they probably haven't started yet, have they? I won't. I'll be playing tennis and I'll be watching the Dons online. And to Martin Cleaners. Martin, thank you. No, thanks, it's Richard. We'll be back next week when a Rangers support might have graduated on the stealing of smaller kids' lunch money. <laughs> Cheerio. <laughs>